0: Hi, welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home. Today, we're going to be talking about purpose, and purpose can be a tricky topic, so I decided to call in an expert. I invited Zach Mercurio, who is an adjunct professor at Colorado State University and the author of The Invisible Leader, Transform Your Life, Work, and Organization with the Power of Authentic Purpose. So welcome, Zach. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on Unleashed. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to be talking to you, too, because I think purpose is one of those topics that's hard for people to maintain grasp of sometimes unless they've sat down and done the work to figure out what it is. So can you tell us a little bit about what is purpose?
1: I think the best way to start is to look in the dictionary. You know, I do a lot of research in the psychological sciences fields, and uh, sometimes just going back to the dictionary, looking up purpose, and when you look at the definition, it's the reason for which something is done or created, the reason for its existence, something's use or usefulness. So in essence, someone asks you, what's your purpose? They're asking you, of what use are you to the world? Of what use are you to other people? What is your usefulness? What is your contribution? So I equate purpose with contri- contribution or the value that you add uh, to others. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that can help to simplify and take away some of the anxiety that gets produced when people are like, you know, go find your purpose like it's somewhere out there, like right. you lost a set of car keys. If purpose is contribution, then you already have purpose and you already do contribute by default. It's just reframing your mindset to become contribution focused to get the benefits that come with discovering purpose.
0: Okay, so what are some of those benefits?
1: Yeah, I mean, so there there are tremendous benefits. So, one of the one of the big pieces of research that's come out of UCLA's Semel Center for Neuroscience is that there is a part of our brain that is hardwired for contribution. So, over time, we've developed a a part of our brain that rewards us when we focus on others. So when we are helping others, research finds that we get a boost of neurotransmitters, they're called dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. It's sometimes called the happiness trifecta. Mm -hmm. You don't have to remember those. But basically, what they do is those are the neurochemicals that control for mood, movement, and motivation. So when we're thinking about other people, which when we're thinking about contribution in our day-to-day, we actually move better. Uh, I've done some research with a frontline distribution center and factory workers when they know, for example, where and who the product goes to, they actually move better and are more efficient. We feel better, so we have increased mood when we're thinking about our impact because we disassociate from our stresses, focus on another person, which ironically helps us to handle our stress mm-hmm. better. And then we have increased motivation. Uh, One of the most uh, compelling and powerful predictors of internal motivation, so the energy we have to do something over the research is psychological meaningfulness. So Mm -hmm. knowing that what we do is significant. But, and there's a but, it doesn't just happen because like you're in a, a pet care field, right? The good work can become normal work and routine work very quickly. Right. And so- being able to have the mindset and remind ourselves of our contribution regularly gives us some of those benefits.
0: Yeah, that's really valuable. Whenever I do a session with a group and we talk about why what you do matters, it almost always comes down to I help. And it's really interesting because it doesn't matter what follows that I help people do this I help people do that I help animals do this I and it's interesting because it's that helping piece so it's kind of fascinating to know that there's a part of the brain dedicated to that I did not know that piece mm. um, but I am aware of of the effects you were talking about and how they affect our mood and our behavior so dramatically but we do sometimes struggle with that whole thing of I I don't I don't know what my purpose is or where my purpose is. Like you said, with that lost set of car keys, we have this idea that there's this driving light and sometimes when we're not in the best of moods, we can't see it. So how do we help people turn that light back on and and maintain it?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a crucial difference between finding some singular purpose out there (laughs) and, and being purposeful. Uh, so this idea of being purposeful is is an everyday perspective. So when we look at, like, cases of stress and burnout, and I do a lot of work in healthcare, and one of the key predictors of people who are resilient to things like burnout or stress is what's called the positive reassessment of work events. So when something happens, so stress stressors happen. There are things that happen, like people that we interact with are not difficult on their own. Our brain makes them difficult. <laughs> what, what we typically don't understand as human beings, because our brain still thinks we're being chased by saber-toothed tigers, and we end each day trying to identify the threats from that day to our comfort and eliminate those threats the next day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because we're wired that way, we tend to ruminate on, on the stressors, and we create these stories about what's happening. What purposeful people do is they they see the event and then they're able to just stop and pause and say, "Okay, this I'm handling this difficult person because I'm here to help foster and facilitate the human-animal bond." For example, mm-hmm. they're able to they're able to train their minds to habitually recast negative work events as part of their purpose, and I think it's another it's an important thing to note that purpose is not the act of doing more and giving more some people say to me well zach i'm already purposeful i already give of myself more you're telling me to give of myself more that'll just burn me out stress me out more it's not about the act of giving more it's about how we think about what we already do so that that technique of just stopping just saying to yourself gosh why does this matter even just that and then and then proceeding can really help train your mind uh in those times of stress
0: that's really helpful so so just stopping and saying why does this matter? Yeah. When we're in a really negative emotional state and just like mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> Sometimes people tell me that they don't they don't see it anymore. They don't they don't think that what they're doing is actually moving the needle. And mm. they just keep showing up and they just keep working and the workload never diminishes and nobody says, "Wow, thank you for what you've done." And yeah. they start feeling completely drained by this external, all these external pieces. Mm-hmm. So so when we're really struggling and we're in that bad spot and we say, "Why does this matter?" sometimes some of my clients have said, "I don't know that it does." Or at least I don't know that it does if I do it. And that's a terrible, debilitating thought. So what are your suggestions for, for turning that around?
1: Yeah. And, you know, some people say to me, Zach, well, you know, this is one perspective, but everything's going wrong. You know, how mm-hmm. do I how do I have another perspective? And I, and I always off, offer like, what, you know, what's the alternative? Someone after a session said, are you trying to get me to brainwash to like negative things? Like, do that happen? <laughs> and I said, Yes. Sort of, because the alternative is that we ruminate on the negative negative, right? and it has a really bad effect on, on our overall well-being and health. There's ne- never a stressful event or a difficult event or was never made better by thinking about how difficult the event was. Right. Right. And so like one of the practical ways you could do is, is even being more local about it. Like, don't try to think about be, at the end of the line who's the human being you, you helped save or the human-animal bond you cultivated. Try to think more immediate. Like, How today did I positively affect a human being? Mm-hmm. My, my um, grandfather sends me a card with a $1 bill wrapped in tissue paper in it. He's been mm-hmm. sending it to me every year since I was a single-digit age. And the uh, last one he sent me said, Zach, how do you improve the moment? And I thought that was really profound because in every situation, no matter how bad our day is, Mm -hmm. uh, we do have the ability to contribute. So we have the ability in every circumstance to be on purpose if purpose Mm -hmm. is contribution. So like when you, you feel that maybe you feel dread in the morning, you look at your calendar and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing today? Just ask yourself, how is what I'm doing going to affect another person? How can I affect another person positively? How can you judge the quality of your day by how you affected others? In turn, you'll affect yourself. So it's, it's retraining what we think about, how we reflect like you were alluding to, and centering it on a purposeful mindset versus a results mindset. Like, what did I get for doing that? Or what, I didn't see any return of that activity. I mean, the sad thing is we don't get text messages or emails when we change the world, right? right. We, have to, we have to imagine our inevitable impact are inevitable inputs that we make on on the system that that are infinite essentially mm-hmm. and so it's it's just a reframing our internal narrative to reframe how we externally show up
0: yeah i think that i think that matters a lot and one of the struggles that that I've had with positive psychology and that some of my clients have shared is that some of it just sounds simple and simplistic and it falls into that simple but not easy category of like the idea oh just retrain your thoughts but the reality takes a little bit more effort
1: yeah going to the gym sounded easy at the beginning of January (laughs) for me I often say there's a big there's a big canyon between stimulation and transformation Yeah, Like you could be – a lot of the positive psychology work is is stimulating, right? I mean it taps into something we all yearn for, which is to thrive Mm -hmm. and to flourish. But there's a big gap between being stimulated and transformed. If we want to transform, we have to learn to execute on these things. Mm -hmm. So like I I would imagine that everybody listening would not say, hey, I would rather not feel purposeful in my work or not think purposefully some of the ways to start moving from stimulation to execution and transformation is to start developing some specific behaviors or habits that would indicate to you that you are thinking purposefully. Like if you were being on purpose, what would you be doing every day? Mm -hmm. Uh, And make for yourself, you know, one of my favorite techniques is like a, a purposeful scorecard type mechanism. Like look at your days and just put, on a whiteboard or whatever, and and look at those behaviors that you identified. If I were being purposeful, what would I be doing? How would I be thinking? And just mark with an X, did I do those today? And it's okay if you don't do them every day, but you'll see – there's a couple of Mm -hmm. times where you didn't reflect on your impact. So it's not surprising that you're not feeling fulfilled. And then you'll be able to like tangibly see, even if you think some of this stuff is cheesy, that it's actually not cheesy, uh, you know, or fluffy. I often say the cheesier it sounds, the more accurate it probably is to your real impact that you have. Mm -hmm. And so, so making a scorecard, identifying the habits and the behaviors that you'll commit to, just like anything else that any of you went, went through in your technical training, how do we robustly strategize maintaining the skills to reframe our everyday work as purposeful so we get all of the positive results that come from it?
0: yeah i encourage people to think of turtles as their sort of totem animal because turtles are slow and methodical and deliberate but they're um, resourceful and they adapt well and they live a long time mm-hmm. so if we just yes, keep doing I these little that. bits it adds up and you get where you're going and sometimes you don't go like wow amazing progress but if you look in the in the rearview mirror there, yeah. is, there is progress, and it is adding up and creating these layers.
1: Can I go back to something you had mentioned earlier about mm-hmm. positive psychology? Sure. Uh, it, is, it is really okay to have negative experiences. Yes. And I think it's important. My research right now is with janitors mm-hmm. and how janitors come to experience meaningfulness in their work. And what we've been finding through, through many interviews is that the experience of meaningfulness and purpose – is reliant on the experience of meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. So w- we experience meaningfulness because we experience meaninglessness. It's the ability to reflect on when we're feeling like work is meaningful, what is happening, and how can we replicate those things? And, and so the same thing with, with meaninglessness. Like when we're feeling that things don't matter, how are we thinking? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? And how do we mitigate those things? So so the, the experience of human life is not all above the line.
0: Right. You know, it's uh,
1: it's it's a it's a spectrum, and I think engaging in that spectrum is is healthy, and having a realistic view of purpose as a practical, everyday human phenomenon that flows and flexes, I think is important.
0: Yeah, and really um, leaning into that that spectrum is an important part of it, because we don't want to just say bad stuff won't happen, or you know, just look at the bright side. That is too trite. I did an exercise a while back with a vet clinic where we talked about a time that you really felt the impact of, of what you've done at work. And mm. and no, it was a, when you felt awesome at work. That's what it was. A time oh, you felt that. awesome at work. That. So everybody shares their story. And it's 10 people in the room. One is a vet Sales rep of you know, supplies and pharmaceuticals and things, and the rest are the actual team for this vet clinic. So, we have nine stories about a crisis the cat was dying, and we did this, the owner was falling apart, and we did that. That you know, and at the end, the guy goes, I was thinking the time I felt awesome at work was when I hit my sales number, and he was like, ah. I can see the impact of the work this team is doing so differently now, just mm. hearing them all say, because not one of us would choose to have that rough day at work when the cat Absolutely. was dying, but that's when you felt you made a difference. And yeah. it goes back to your question of what's your contribution and, and how do you improve the moment? These people all remembered that moment that, that they did improve it.
1: Yeah, you know, when I ask a bigger question, sometimes I start my sessions saying, and I invite your audience to do this right now. Think about a moment in the last seven days where you felt a real sense of purpose. And what we find is that most of the time, it's around. Nobody says, "Oh, when I got my direct deposit, mm-hmm. I really felt like a sense of purpose," <laughs> you know, or "or when I got that job promotion," or "when we hit that sales number, I, I felt really purposeful." Most people don't say that, and it's it's because we, as humans, aren't compelled by acquiring and achieving things for the long term. That's not what makes us feel a sense of purpose, that, that emotional quality of purpose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, then I ask, you know, what do we think about most? We often think about those, like, how am I going to get through the week? If mm-hmm. I just get through this week, then it'll be the weekend, and then I'll be happy. If I hit this sales goal, then we'll be happy. The problem is, what happens after the then what? Yeah. And there's nothing. I mean, the problem with being motivated by results is precisely the fact that you can achieve them. Uh, so, and then what? At purpose. When you can tap into that, like you're doing with, with thinking about those stories of impact, uh, purpose fills that then what? It's always out ahead of us. So it pulls us through difficult times. Whereas like results, like meeting the sales goal, they'll just push us to the next one.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: really an inefficient way to motivate yourself.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's amazing how quick that moment of glee goes away when you're like, okay, I hit that goal. Now what?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now what?
0: you spent months working toward that goal. It's right. sure that you're going to be happy when you get there. Um, so, so if we want to be more conscious about being purposeful and thinking about purpose in our lives, what are some strategies that you would say as the starting point?
1: I think the first strategy is, is thinking local and reflecting like we mentioned earlier on your impact each day. So having some sort of practice where at the beginning of the day you can just say, "Hey, how is what I'm going to do today going to affect another person?" Mm-hmm. And then when you look back on your day for 1 2 minutes just being like, "How is what I what I did today? How does what I did today affect another person?" Just for a minute, 2 minutes a day. <laughs> and you can start you can start re- retraining your mind to have uh, different decisions, making different decisions about things. The other thing uh, that I think is important is to learn to craft mo- the mundane and the routine as purposeful. Mm-hmm. Again, I work with janitors, right? And, and many people socially stigmatize janitors as dirty work. It's looked down upon. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Many, many people that I work with can't choose their career. Uh, because of socioeconomic reasons. And one of the things I find repeatedly that people who are purposeful do is they're able to craft the mundane parts of their work as purposeful. I had a, a janitor named Mary who I was interviewing and I asked that she had retired. She had worked herself up to a supervisor position and she uh, was there for 25 years and I asked her, Mary, you know, why did you come out of retirement? She came out of retirement to do this job again as being a janitor. I was like, what the heck? Why would you come out of retirement? She goes, I couldn't stand the thought of those kids in that dormitory not having a mama figure away from home. Mm-hmm. That, was ha- that was her purpose. Cleaning was what she did. But why she did it was that bigger purpose. But she embedded that into everything that she did. An example right. was is that she would go up and down the hallways, and at the beginning of the semester, she would ask students when their class schedule were when they were switching classes and while all the other janitors were vacuuming the hallways when there were no students there she would time her vacuuming for when she could talk to the students to be really connected with her purpose so how do you craft everyday tasks as meaningful and purposeful and one way to do it is right now think about something you don't like doing in your job just think about it ask yourself this question what would happen to another human being if you did not do it And I just did this with a hospital system, and Mm -hmm. I asked, pick a task, and this group raised their hand at a table, and they said, payroll. We can't stand running the payroll. And I say, what would happen to another (laughs) human being if you didn't do it? I was like, they wouldn't be able to pay their mortgages. We wouldn't have employees. And I said, what department are you in? And they said, payroll. And so often the routine, we just do this work and we forget to think about why the work matters. So crafting your work as purposeful is important. And then the third thing I would say is to really make sure you have a clear vision of what it would look like if you were being purposeful. What would it feel like? Who would you have to be? What would you have to value? And then what would you specifically have to do? Like I'm I'm all about practical stuff. So turning this idea of purpose into repeatable behaviors is – the, the key to moving towards uh, measurement so take three columns on a paper right how would it feel if I were living with purpose if I were being purposeful who would I have to be to feel those things and then what would I have to do to prove that those are my values mm-hmm. and that can be a really powerful exercise
0: yeah that that can be I've done that one before and it's an interesting it's an interesting and enlightening thing so the title of your book is the invisible Leader. Tell me a little bit about that. Who is that leader?
1: Yeah, so Mary Parker Follett, when I was researching the book, she came up. She was a uh, management scholar and a social change activist in the late 1920s, and she had this theory of leadership called invisible leadership, and she essentially said that both leaders and followers are both following the invisible leader, the common purpose, the bigger Mm -hmm. purpose. And Research really backs up that the most compelling influencers of our behaviors and the most compelling motivator of our behaviors is not necessarily a person or a thing. It's having that sense of purpose that's with us daily. So purpose is that invisible leader, an other-centered reason for being is that invisible leader that can really transform how we do, what we do, and what we do. Because there's not someone over your shoulder all the time telling you what to do, what to think, what to believe. And so I often invite people to imagine if your purpose, whatever that is, if it's the purpose of your job, if the organization you work for right now, go and read that mission statement. If that were the boss of your decision making every day, if that were the boss of your behaviors every day, what would that look like? What decisions would you make if your purpose were, were at stake in every decision, every behavior? And it could be a very powerful idea to think about purpose as your leader.
0: Mm-hmm. And so if, if I were the human leader of a team, an organization, a vet clinic, a dog training organization, something like that, and I wanted to increase the shared sense of purpose for my team, what would you recommend we do?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is is discovering or rediscovering that purpose, being able to answer this question, what problem do we exist to solve? I often think that when people start thinking about mission, they think about what we do, how we do it, what we deliver, but purpose is is a precursor to mission. It's the problem you exist to solve. I mean, get people together and and think about that. What what do we make better about people's lives uh, through the work that we do? and animals' lives through the work that we do. And th- and that's that's your purpose. And and the second thing is mission should be how you deliver that purpose to the world. And then create a compelling vision, which is what would the world be like if you were done? If mm-hmm. your problem no longer existed, you delivered this mission and you had this vision, what, what would the world be like? So I think getting clear on those things is really important. All of the research uh, indicates that having a purpose as an organization doesn't really yield any Benefit financially or otherwise, except if that purpose is clear. So the next step is, is purpose clarity. So does everybody know the language of purpose and do they believe it? You know, there's that story of John F. Kennedy. He goes down to the space center when he was launching the Apollo missions and he says to a janitor, hey, what do you do here? The janitor very calmly gets up and says, oh, I'm putting a person on the moon. It goes back to his work. What was compelling about that is that the janitor very calmly was able to say that in everyday language. It was clear. Mm-hmm. But every but research finds that every team at NASA had what was called a ladder to the moon, where they could link how each one of their tasks fulfills some sort of a tangible objective that they could see, and how that objective fulfilled another tangible objective and how ultimately that task would lead them to land on the moon. So what's your moon mission? And do all of your sub teams and your people have a ladder to the moon? Do they know how their tasks contribute to the bigger whole? And then and then alignment is being able to make sure your values keep you on purpose. You have clear values that align with your purpose that people know and they can, they can talk about and they know how decisions are made. And then delivery. How do if, if you were on purpose every day and you were delivering purpose in every interaction in across your whole organization, how would people know and feel why you exist without you even saying it? So, discovering purpose, clarifying it through shared language, aligning purpose through values and delivering it through engineering the expression of purpose are really powerful steps you could take.
0: Absolutely. That's a lot. Let me just recap that a little bit. Just to so- to try to think about it from the from the perspective of an organization. So we all get together and we're discussing what it is we do and why we do it. What problem do we exist to solve?
1: And and yeah. let's
0: say we exist to make animals lives better and make make sure that animals stay in their homes happy and healthy for their full lives because that's what we want. And it's a side benefit that people feel awesome when they have animals. So this is the motivating factor for our team. Got it. And so then we say one of the tasks related to this is making sure the supply cabinet is filled with everything we need. So you say, okay, let's talk about that. Let's say how does making sure the supply cabinet remains Phil, relate to our objectives of delivering our service efficiently and productively to everyone and how does that relate to our ultimate goal of happy, healthy animals living their lives at homes? So that's the kind of breakdown exercise you Abs- would do absolutely. with the team. Yes. Awesome. And
1: especially if you're on, like onboarding an employee or onboarding someone new or you're learning something new, I mean before you before you teach them what to do and how to do it, make sure you show them why it matters. Because okay. oftentimes if there's a change in your organization, same thing. you can use that laddering technique. Make sure you show people why it matters instead of what's happening and how it's happening. I find the biggest sources of team conflict is not that people don't agree on what's happening and how it's happening. It's that they don't have a shared belief in why it matters. And so really making sure that we're being very clear in this is why it matters. I think every person who starts should interact with one of your clients and their pets before they get a binder to know what to do and how to do it or get trained on
0: what to do Mm -hmm. and how to do it. I like the idea of the shared belief in why it matters, and before when you were talking about you know, really understanding the mission being how do we deliver on yeah. what we're doing, it's easier to find common language than to discuss some of these conflicts, you know? So right, the way right, you're right. doing it and the way I'm doing it, but if we're both agreeing on the final goal, we can maybe figure out how to make this middle part smoother so that we're not bumping up and stepping on each other's toes with that.
1: Yeah, and we don't – a lot of times in a lot of organizations, we don't strategically make the time to cultivate the motivation to Mm -hmm. do the work. So like you know, all human behavior has three elements, and this is from B.J. Fogg's work at Stanford. Mm -hmm. We have to want to do it, we have to know how to do it, and the environment has to trigger us to remind ourselves to do it. And so the motivation, if we know internal motivation is predicted by – meaningfulness, why things matter, how do we strategically cultivate and maintain the motivation as much as we cultivate and strategically maintain the technical skills and abilities as much as we maintain the environment that triggers us to be motivated and know how to do it. And that's where purpose is incredibly powerful because when purpose is embedded as a leadership style, when you're reminding people why it matters, it's the environmental trigger. And at the same time, you're tapping into the ultimate motivator of human beings, which is psychological meaningfulness, and then if people have the skills to do it, they have the energy to do it. You know, a skill or ability without the energy to use them are useless, and so Mm -hmm. uh, purpose cultivates that motivation.
0: Right, which then increases our skills and ability.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you're on purpose, you're two times more likely to learn something new every day, four times more likely to be content, uh, more, more likely to have an appetite for learning because you know that what you learn can help you deliver a bigger reason for existence. It snowballs.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how those effects really start compiling in very positive ways on both the individual level and for the group as a whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, organizations are just individuals who organize. I mean, so if individuals are compelled by purpose, the organization becomes purposeful. Mm
0: -hmm. But even if your organization hasn't, you know, like if you are one person on a team and the team itself is not thriving, but you start making changes, just you, just you in your corner of your world thinking about what you do there. That's going to have a ripple effect out. You're not going to necessarily change the whole thing, but you're going to improve your work, but you are also going to be helping those around you. Absolutely. It will shed.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely.
0: Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't?
1: No, I thought your questions were great. I mean, I think the key at the beginning, you said sometimes purpose can seem really big. And I know we've talked about a lot, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a lot of different strategies and so just bringing it back and bringing it down to the practical of train, retraining your minds, just like any other training, to, to reconnect the everyday to contribution can really have a, a powerful impact and benefit.
0: Yeah, and that's awesome and very practical and applicable. So it takes a big right. concept and makes it, what What do I do and how do I move forward? This has been amazing. So if people wanted to learn more about you and your work, where could they do that?
1: Yeah, so my website is zachmercurio.com. And one of, the, one of my favorite things to do is I write a monthly newsletter called The Spark. And in it, I, I have like a little jolt of, of inspiration. But then I always dig into some of the research out there on meaningfulness and purpose. And then I have a try this section, which I, I try some different exercises and see how it goes. And then you can try it. And there's some downloads and cool stuff there. So I really love doing that. So I'd love for you to subscribe there.
0: Awesome. Well, I will put all that in the show notes so that it'll be easy for people to find. Thanks so much for joining me on Unleashed today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Do you want to feel stronger, happier, and more resilient? Let's face it, who doesn't? Check out the new Unleashed Resilience Skills Groups. They're online, small group sessions that are guaranteed to improve your outlook on life. Visit ColleenPilar.com for more info.